0: The following Women's Bases show was recorded on Monday, July 11th, 2022.
1: The woman in your life will do what she must do to comfort you and calm you down and let you rest now. The woman in your life she can rest so easily. She knows everything you do Because
0: the woman in your life is you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Women's Spaces. My name is Elaine B. Holtz, and I'm your host. With me at the board is my friend, my partner, my engineer, and my co producer, Ken Norton. Good morning, Ken.
1: Good morning.
0: What a beautiful day it is here in Santa Rosa, California. Well, joining me, I have a very, very, very special show for you this morning. Joining me on the phone from her office in Los Angeles is women's rights attorney Gloria Allred, and we will be talking about her career and the importance of women's rights and the contribution that she has made. Uh, today, we will also be talking about Roe versus Wade and the recent overturning of this important legislation. 50 years we've had it, and all of a sudden, boom. Uh, In a piece she wrote uh, called A Womb with a View, Gloria Allred writes, From the bottom of my heart and my womb, I urge you to join me in fighting for justice for women. I am no longer a good girl. I am now a fearless womb warrior. And I wrote her back, and I said, Gloria Allred, I stand with you. Well, we have some special announcements to make uh, this morning before we get into the bulk of the show. Uh, This evening is going to be the National Organizations for Women's monthly meeting. If you go to NOW Sonoma, that's N-O-W Sonoma dot org, you will find all the information. uh, The codes is going to be a Zoom. And also, uh, I'm going to start uh, start announcing this. This is an event that's happening on Saturday, August 13, 2022. And I'm going to have Shakina uh, Shakina Black will be on to talk a little bit more about it in the next few weeks. It's a Rise the Roof Festival, and it's benefiting the Peace and Justice Center here in Sonoma County. It sounds like they need a new roof. And, you know, I think, you know, if there's anybody out there, you know, they're going to be taking contributions now. It's a very, very important organization, a very important... Center, and I hope folks uh, folks uh, support it. Uh, the uh, event's going to be happening from 12 o'clock to 12 p.m. to 8 p.m. at the Monte Rio Amphitheater at 9925 Main Street in Monte Rio, and you can get tickets available on even uh, eventbrite.com. And I, I think it's a very important event. And also, if you go to www.womenspaces, uh, you will find all the information. I'm going to have the flyer on there. And like I said, Shakina from Shekina, uh, she's the executive director of the uh, Peace and Justice Center. And she will be on the air to talk a little bit about it. Well, pardon, Ken, is there anything OK? You know, like I do every, every Monday, our history is our strength. And it, very interesting, today is uh, July the 11th, but on July 12th, 1984, Representative Geraldine Ferraro, a Democrat from New York, was chosen as the first female to run for vice president of the United States uh, for the Democratic Party ticket with Walter Mondale, a Democrat from Minnesota. I mean, I remember that. It was so exciting to think that a, that a woman was going to be running for vice president And then also something interesting happened on July 14, 1917, 16 women, this is so interesting, from the National Women's Party were arrested while picketing uh, the White House demanding universal women's suffrage, and they were arrested and charged with obstructing traffic. I mean, come on, obstructing traffic, they'll do anything that they can to, uh, who knows what's going on with this stuff. Well, another, another really important thing happened on July sixteenth, 1821. That's her birthday, and she made her transition in 1910, was Mary Baker Eddy. You know, Mary Baker Eddy, she founded the Church of Christ, uh, scientist. She was um, founded the popular religious movement uh, during the 19th century, Christian Science. As an author and teacher, she helped promote healings uh, through mental and spiritual teachings. Today, her influence can be seen throughout the American religious landscape. You know, it's very interesting. I'm a student of unity, and there was unity, science of the mind, and then uh, Christian science, which was Mary Baker Eddy. And in the early 1900s, that's when they first came. That's They were the beginning of what is known as the New Age. It was a different way of looking at the Bible, of looking at uh, Christianity. And, and, you know, when you start thinking about it, you know, religion plays a very, very important part in our life. And one of the things that I liked about uh, Mary Baker Eddy's uh, Teachings and also uh, Unity's teaching and Science of the Mind was they followed the principle that Jesus said, which was go to the Father within. In other words, go to your own inner sanctum through meditation, through study, and find find that place in your in your heart, in your mind, in your soul that gives you that that extra oomph of energy that you can have faith and belief in things. But it starts from you. It starts from you and your relationship, you know, and sometimes we feel that we're gonna go outside of ourselves to get that relationship when we really have to go within ourselves. I know for myself this morning before I started, I mean, I'm so excited about interviewing Gloria Allred that I have to admit that I'm a little bit nervous. And I went and I sat on a chair and when I put a little bit of heat on my back and I meditated for about 15 minutes and it really helped calm me down. That's what science of the mind is all about. That's what folks like Mary Beck or Eddie brought forward to all of us. In the early 1900s, when it was really, you know, religion was was such a part of our life, at, at one time, actually, even in the Catholic Church, they did not encourage you reading the Bible or reading any other information outside of what the churches had to offer. So this was a whole new movement that this woman started. So happy birthday Mary Becker Eddy born July 16th, 1821 and made her transition in 1910. Wow, you know, so many great women. It's just it's just amazing to me. Well, on July 16th, happy birthday to this person. This is my hero. This is my hero. She was born July 16, 1862, and made her transition in 1931, and that's Ida B. Wells Barnett. She was a journalist. She was a newspaper editor. She crusaded against lynching and civil rights leader. She was a founder of the National Association of Colored Women's Club, which was created to address issues dealing with civil rights and women's suffrage. She founded that and was the first black woman suffrage group, the Chicago Alpha Suffrage Club. Can you believe that the uh, Chicago Alpha Suffrage Club, I just, I love that, that, that name and that title. I mean, it's just, it's just absolutely amazing to me. Ida B. Wells, happy birthday. You know, I, I am really, a really a fan of Ida B. Wells. In fact, whenever, whenever I feel a little bit discouraged or I feel that, uh, you know, that I, I can't go on, I think of Ida B. Wells going into the South, reporting on lynching. She had a, a, she had a price on her head. I mean, they wanted to get her and hang her. They did not want her to do anything to bring attention to what was happening in the South. And also, what's also interesting about her is that she was, she was a writer. She was a journalist. I mean, she was born to, to people who were in slavery. And this woman liberated herself, and not only liberated herself, but educated herself and was able to write and do such great journalist work. So happy birthday to Ida B. Wells. Well, before, you know, before we get into the interview with uh, with Gloria Allred, I want to give you a little bit of, of information. You know, I think it's very interesting, this whole thing about, about abortion and about all the different things that... That that are happening in the United States. You know, I I have told the story many times that I had an aunt that had a backdoor abortion and almost died from it. In fact, by the time the abortion was over and we got her to the, we got her to the hospital, she had to have three blood transfusions, and we had our fingers crossed for several days that we did not know that she was going to make it. And you know, it's so interesting when they finally, when abortion finally became uh, illegal in 1973, it was such a relief. And, you know, I never met a woman who said, hey, I'm going to go have an abortion today. I'm all excited. No, it's a very, very, very important decision. It's a big decision. You know, to some women, I know it's very easy. They just go in there, do it. They're, they have a, an accidental pregnancy. They don't want to deal with it. They go have an abortion, and that's the end of it. But the majority of women really think about it and really go through a lot of emotion about it because it's a big decision you know, whether you want to end, whether you want to decide not to have a child, you know, having a child is a wonderful thing. I mean, I have, I have a daughter, I have one daughter, thank God that I was able to at least bring one child into the world for me. And I have two, two grandchildren, and now I have two great grandchildren. So, and these are all children that were chosen, that the decision was made, yes, yes. And, you know, it's really interesting. I, I think about the uh, the issue with my daughter when she got pregnant. And I remember I said to her, I said, you know, Susan, you have choices here. And, and her and her husband said, no, we're not making that choice. We want to have this child. And so when you make that kind of commitment, it's a whole different feeling than when all of a sudden you feel it's forced upon you and then all of a sudden to think that they overturn Roe versus Wade after almost 50 years of having this on the books, that women could easily I mean not so easily I mean the way they've been putting restrictions on has been ridiculous but you know it, when you look at it you know all of a sudden here's this 10 year old little girl and they're saying that she has to carry a child to to full you know to full term I mean, you know, even even in the Puritan, in the Puritan population, they always put the woman first. Can you imagine the damage that would happen with that young girl? I'm grateful that she was able to come to California and have it taken care of, but this should not be that way. And I want to give you some, some really interesting interesting statistics from now or now, uh, Pro-Choice America. 87% of United States count countries excuse me, counties have no abortion provider. 111 abortion restrictions were enacted in the states in 211 and 212 alone. I mean, here we are in 2020. You know, here we are, in here I have the statistics from 211 to 212 where they had 111 abortion restrictions. You know, what about restrictions on war? What about restrictions on guns? I mean, we have to pull teeth to get any of those restrictions. And here they are after something that really is so simple to take care of. 33 states have laws that subject women seeking abortion service to biased counseling requirements and or mandatory delays. You know, I mean, come on. You know, and then oftentimes you go to an abortion clinic and then the religious beliefs of those people are are put on to the to the woman's conscience. And, you know, it says in the Bible, life is not until the first breath, and the first breath does not happen until that baby comes out. And then when the child comes out, what happens? We don't have services for them. We don't have health care. We don't have education. We don't have all the basic things that a child needs. And here we are doing this. And here, 45 states, including the District of Columbia, have laws subjecting abortion providers to burdensome restrictions not imposed on other medical professions. You know people have actually stood in front of abortion clinics and protested and actually some doctors have been killed. I mean it is it's just a a really a horrible horrible situation and you know it's really not about abortion it's about choice and my belief system is is that women have gotten too much power you know, we're in the legislation now. We're running for governors. We're doing all kinds of things. We're lawyers. Look at Gloria Allred, a lawyer. All these different things. Here I am, a woman on the air. Look at all the different women that are doing newscasting. And I mean, we have come a long way, baby. And I think the powers that be do not like that. So it's very, 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 and I put three varies in there. It's very important that we stand up for choice. And, you know, I say this over and over again. I'm not for abortion. I'm not against abortion. I'm for choice, C-H-O-I-C-E. Well, folks, we are going to take a musical break, and uh, this is one of my favorite songs by Ellen Booksdale. Hey, Mr. Politician, get the heck out of my body. You know, I mean, oh, my goodness. I mean, when you start thinking about it, I mean, this is a private issue. This is a very private issue. So go ahead, Ken. We're going to play Hey, Mr. Politician. And I'm dedicating this song to all those people who are speaking their truth, rising and making change and change makers. And when we return, we will be talking to woman rights attorney, Gloria Allred, who had the courage to rise, speak out, and defend women and their rights for decades. We'll be talking about the landmark 1973 decision, Roe v. Wade, which in the court ruled that the Constitution of the United States generally protects the liberty to choose to have an abortion. This is almost a 50-year-old ruling and was struck down by the Supreme Court on June 24th. Can you believe that? Almost 50 years. Let's go ahead, Ken. Hey, Mr. Politician.
2: Hey, Mr. Politician, don't legislate, my love, you're not walking in my shoes, don't hide behind your religion, it's my right to marry whom I choose, it's not your place to call me a sinner or decide. Nate If I choose, it's not your place to turn back the clock to a time when I had no voice. Don't try to take away my right to have freedom of choice.
0: I'm telling you, that's one of the strongest songs I've heard. Hey, Mr. Politician, get out of my body. Anyway, for you just joining, I want to remind my listeners the opinions expressed here are not necessarily the opinions of its station, its board of directors, its members, or women's spaces. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm your host, Elaine B. Holt. And without further ado, and I'm so excited, I want to introduce my guest, attorney Gloria Allred. Welcome, Gloria. Welcome once again to Women's Spaces.
3: Well, thank you very much. It's always a pleasure to... Be on your show and to be invited by you, Elaine. Thank you.
0: Well, I'll tell you, you are one of my heroes. I'm telling you, are just one of my heroes, and it's just such an honor to have you here. Uh, do you mind if I tell folks just a little bit about you before we start? No, feel free. Gloria Alred was born in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. She earned her BA with honors in English from the University of Pennsylvania. She earned her MA from New York University and her JD cum laude from Loyola University School of Law in Los Angeles. She was also awarded an honorary JD from the University of West Los Angeles School of Law. Congratulations. That's amazing. Ms. Uh, Alred is the founding partner of the law firm uh, Alred. Mako and Goldberg. Uh, her firm handles more women's rights cases than any other private firm in the nation and has won hundreds of millions of dollars for victims. Miss Alder is also founded the Women's Equal Rights Legal Defense and Education Fund. In 2017, Netflix and I saw it three times. Gloria uh, <laughs> announced seeing Allred in an original documentary about her and her battles for justice, which launched globally on Netflix on February 2018. And I really would recommend recommend that people see this. And also, uh, in addition to being an attorney, uh, Miss Allred holds California life credentials, secondary school education, and supervision. She taught public schools for six and a half years and was a lecturer at the University of Southern California for several years. She is also the author of Fight Back and Win, another great book. 30-year fight against justice and how we can win your own battles. In 2018, and congratulations, Gloria was presented with the Lifetime Achievement Award by the National Organization for Women Now for her enduring commitment to fighting injustice against women. In 2019, she was inducted into the National Women's Hall of Fame. Fame. Please note, there are only too many awards and recognition that I could go on. I mean, I looked at your—I went on the, on the Internet and I looked at your awards, and I say, oh, my goodness, and she will deserve them. So anything else you'd like to add, Gloria?
3: No, except that the battle against injustice against women continues, and we have to—we're facing a major challenge, of course— because of the recent decision of the Supreme Court in uh, Dobbs versus Jackson and the reversal of Roe v. Wade.
0: Well, you know we are having, we're living in terribly challenging times, you know. And after reading the piece you wrote on June 29th, a room, a womb with a view, that is very personal, you know, issue to you. Can you talk about that? Why is it so personal? I mean, what, what is your own story before we get into the other aspects of it?
3: Right, and everyone can look online and find my article, A Womb with a View. Uh, it it uh, was published in Variety just a few weeks ago. Um, well, when I was in my 20s and living in California, Elaine, uh, that was in the late 1960s, and uh, I went to Mexico on a vacation and uh, met a doctor, a medical doctor, and uh he asked me out on a date, uh, and I accepted. And in any event, we, he asked if I could first go to dinner with him, which I said, sure. We went to dinner. And then he said he had to check on some patients in a hospital. Uh, I said, fine. We went there. And then he said he had one more patient to check on in a hotel. So I said, okay. So we went there. And he opened the door, and uh, it was dark inside, and he shut the door and pulled the gun uh, on me and then raped me. I returned to California, didn't report it to the police, I didn't think anybody would believe me against what was sure to be the denial of a medical doctor in Mexico. Came back, uh, found out that I was pregnant, Uh, also learned, and I was a teacher at the time and not a lawyer, uh, that... Um, it was a crime for anyone to, that is, a licensed healthcare provider, a doctor or nurse, to provide an abortion to a woman in California at that time. And so uh, I had to get a back alley abortion, meaning to pay someone who was not licensed, and he did the abortion, and uh, then left me in a bathtub hemorrhaging in a pool of my own blood. Oh, my God. Uh, he, he would not help me. He said he did the abortion. He doesn't take care of what happens afterwards. Um, ultimately, an ambulance was called. I was taken to the hospital, packed in ice with 106-degree fever from the infection uh, caused by the ill-with-ill abortion. When I was in the hospital, a nurse who was anti-choice, who was taking care of me, Said, um, "Well, I hope this teaches you a lesson." And I always say she was right; it did teach me a lesson, <laughs> but not the lesson she wanted me to learn.
0: But the still, the lesson what-
3: I learned is that abortion must be safe, legal, affordable, and available. And now that with this recent Supreme Court decision, we know that in, more, in, in very soon, in more than half of the states. It will not be legal, it will not be safe, it will not be affordable, it will not be available, and women and girls' lives are going to be placed at risk uh, in ways that we haven't seen since the 1960s, of course, Prior to Roe v. Wade,
0: well, talk about talk about when you first got involved with Roe v. Wade, and what, what did it provide for women, and the significance of this very important ruling in 1973. I mean, it was well, I re- that's
3: an important question because many women don't know what it was like before Roe v. Wade. They they've been living with you know Roe v. Wade for almost 50 years. And really what it meant was that before Roe v. Wade, many states like California could criminalize abortion. Now, while they didn't criminalize it for a woman to have one, by making it a crime for a doctor or or anyone else to provide it, it meant that, you know, women had to go underground to find someone to pay who would provide the abortion, or they maybe they could travel to another state where they could find some state, if they could, that would provide a legal abortion. Very similar to what's happening now. The problem was then, the same as it is now, wealthy women could always afford to either go to a different state where it was legal to get an abortion, or Mexico or Canada, someplace else where they could get a legal abortion. But the ones who were negatively impacted the most are the same group as we're talking about now. Poor women, young women, like I was in in my 20s, and rural women and women of color. Those were the ones who were most negatively impacted because many of them didn't have the money to go to another state or another country. So that meant mandatory motherhood, compulsory pregnancy, where they just couldn't get an abortion and they were forced to take a pregnancy to term. In some cases, women died or were maimed by illegal abortions. It really was a war against women. And that's why in my documentary, which you mentioned on Netflix, it's still streaming, Seeing All Red, I do talk about there is a war against women. And some people at the time when I said it said, what do you mean we don't understand? Well, now people are writing and saying, we understand what you were talking about (laughs) because of the recent Supreme Court decision. You're right, there's a war against women. So that's what we're facing right now. That's what we faced before Roe v. Wade, because in Roe v. Wade, the Supreme Court held that a woman has a right, constitutional right, to liberty and, um, you know, to due process under the law and you know that and, to, and that she can't have be you know enjoy her rights as a woman if you know if her liberty is you know is foreclosed in this way is restricted in other words as the women's movement has often said if you can't control your life from the skin in you can't control your life from the skin out and that is what has happened to millions of women
0: isn't that you know that is such a true statement? But you know it's very interesting in doing the research for this this interview. Uh, I count, I came across an article 2020 by a woman by the name of Mary Harnett, a law professor at Georgetown University, who co-wrote the Ginsburg biography, my own words. And mm-hmm. it was it was really interesting to me that 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 now that Roe versus Wade is is kind of on the experimental or exploration place now. I don't I don't think it's gone forever in my mind. I mean, not the way women are standing up. But what what Ginsburg said it would have been better to approach it under the equal protection mm-hmm. clause. Okay. And, and why why do you think that do you think that was important and do you think that there was something in the legislation that gave them the ammunition to to come out against it?
3: Honestly, I don't think it would make It would have made any difference to this Supreme Court. Um, I do think there's a good argument that they should have decided it under the Equal Protection Clause, but they didn't. We are where we are now, okay? And she was obviously pro-choice, even though she decided that it should have been decided under a different clause in the Constitution. So, uh, you know, the point is we now face the reversal of Roe v. Wade. It is no longer a constitutional right for a woman to be able to have an abortion. By throwing it back to the states, every state can do something different. And, you know, the majority talks about, oh, well, because the people who made the law in 1868, you know, they, this, is, this is what they intended. Well, there's an argument they didn't intend it. It wasn't deeply rooted in history. as, as the majority said. And um, but the argument that it does impact women's equality rights is absolutely real, Elaine, because how can a woman, I mean, a woman is now a second class citizen, as far as I'm concerned, under the law, because of the Supreme Court decision, because not being able to get a legal abortion can affect her educational opportunities, her business opportunities, can have a negative impact on her physically, emotionally, financially, in her relationships with her family, with her coworkers, in every aspect of life. And so this is extremely serious. Uh, by the way, I, I see that some, you know, some web pages are monitoring will women who are seeking to go to college now seek to go to states where abortion is legal? If they go to college, uh, well, we don't know what the impact of, is going to be, but it does impact every aspect of life. And I am so glad that so many women are going to the streets to protest. I, uh, the first day this was decided, I also went to a protest in downtown Los Angeles to support the protesters, and we need to continue to protest. And we need to do what Mother Jones said, which is don't agonize, organize. And we have to get out the vote. We have to remember in November, not only for more United States senators who are Democratic and pro choice, but also in states. We have to help those people in states where, you know, where abortion is a crime or can't get an abortion after the moment of fertilization or even after six weeks we have to help them to throw out the anti-choice politicians and elect pro-choice elected officials and we this has to be non-negotiable we can't say well they're good on other issues and throw abortion to the winds as though it doesn't matter it's got to be and that's what the anti-choice crowd does the mandatory motherhood crowd they don't vote for an elected official unless they are anti-choice. We have to be firm as well and not vote for them unless they are pro-choice.
0: Well, you know, it's interesting that you say that. You know, I think of the ERA thing when I think of Phyllis Shackley and what happened, you know, to try to block that. I mean, here we are how many years and we're, we're barely, we're almost there, but look what it's taken. And, you know, in California, they're going to be putting it on the ballot to, to am- yes. amend the Constitution. That, that's good. But my fear is, my fear is, you know, one of the things I love about when you said I'm a, I'm a dedicated womb warrior, I mean, I think I think that's just right. incredible. But my fear is, you know, with all the emotions around it, you know, they're going to, you know, I already saw one ad and they show a baby, you know, the inside the womb that's almost almost ready to be born. So, of course, it looks like a, a whole child. But, you know, it, it seems like as women, we really need to educate ourselves. And, you know, another thing I'm curious, really curious of what your opinion is on this, is that after all these years of struggle, and then suddenly they have this leak, and then they're showing all these, these three Supreme Court justices, it under oath, in front of the in front of the legislation when they're being reviewed, to be go on the uh, the uh, Supreme Court saying that they're not going to touch Roe versus Wade, that it's already been established, it's a constitutional right, and here we are today. Isn't there any any ramification for these people? I mean, what can we do? I mean, what what is what is the alternative here?
3: Well, that's a really good question as well, and and the answer is. You know, this is being explored by a lot of lawyers. I'm licensed both in California and in New York uh, and in Washington, D.C., and so um, I especially focus on what's happening in those states, although I also look at what's happening in other states. Um, in, in New York, uh, we just had a meeting of women lawyers, and one of, you know, one of the uh, programs that they're going to offer to lawyers in New York is to take a look at that issue of what can be done about the Supreme Court justices who testified before the United States Senate Judiciary Committee uh, where the committee had to decide whether to confirm them to the U.S. Supreme Court. And they did, Men, you know, all three of these Trump appointees did, you know, talk about precedent of roe v wade and how some of them said it's a super precedent which it is and that simply means it was even affirmed in another case called casey and you know the respect for precedent and you know so in other words were they committing perjury were they lying uh or if it's not a lie was this any kind of ethical violation or is it neither is it neither of those um So they're going to take a look at it and and kind of take a deep dive into it and see what, if anything, can be done. But, look, we shouldn't get our hopes up in terms of these Supreme Court justices being impeached. I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, I do think it's worth looking into what could be done. But the real issue now that I'm focused on are the victims, what I call the abortion refugees. The women who are going to try to go from a state where they can't get an abortion, like Texas, try to come to haven states, sanctuary states, like California or New York or Illinois or some of the other states where they still can get a legal abortion, and to see if we can help them to get to these haven states so they can get a safe and legal abortion.
0: Well, it's it's amazing, and then now we're looking at now we're looking at, and you know, I said that the interview would be about twenty minutes. We're going a little bit longer. Is that okay? Are that's a,
3: yes, that's fine. Oh,
0: okay. Well, one of the things that I found very very interesting was now we have this executive order. It's called the executive order on reproductive health care, and he gives he gives three uh, four things. It expands access to contraception, increased public outrage on uh, outreach outrage. I <laughs> think that's a slip. We need- We need outrage, too. (laughs) That's a good one. Increased public outreach on abortion rights, a new legal help for patients and doctors, and focuses on protecting patient privacy. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, it is an executive order. Uh, How how is that going to impact or or support uh, women with their right?
3: Well, I mean, I think it's important that Biden did it. It's the first step. It's not the last step. He's also ask the HHS secretary to come back in 30 days and present any other, you know, ideas that he may have. But look, Biden is limited just as a matter of law. And we are going to have to focus on getting out the vote in November. And we are going to have that is what's going to make a difference is elected officials who make the laws in these states uh, to, you know, outlaw abortion. And that's Really important, by the way, you mentioned contraception, which is extremely important. I know it's kind of hard to get you know our, our heads wrapped around this, but I think that Clarence Thomas has given us a clear, sim, a clear, a clear message um, that in fact, contraception may be next. Um, marriage equality may be next, to limit marriage equality or to leave that up to the states. We know if marriage equality is left up. To states, instead of being uh, a constitutional right under the Obergefell uh, U.S. Supreme Court decision, that most states will outlaw marriage for same-sex couples. In addition, I'm very concerned that they may feel that the Griswold case, which, you know, as a constitutional right, said that married couples have a right to contraception, and of course, since then, any couple has a right to contraception, that that is something that the Supreme Court may decide that they're going to leave up to the states. I mean, this is, this is really dangerous is the word I want to use, that, you know, the Supreme Court is taking away the liberty from our bodies in this way and that legislatures are doing it. You know, uh, it's so interesting to me, Elaine, uh, uh, that I was reading an article about the bounty laws in Texas where, you know, anyone could sue uh, civilly sue someone who was just another person to get an abortion in Texas, and then they get $10,000 if they win, plus attorney's fees. It's a reminder of what was happening after, you know, at the time when there was slavery in this country. Oh, my God. And there were bounties for anyone who could capture an escaped slave and bring them back. Okay, they could get a bounty, an amount of money. Well, this is just like that. Women are are being treated like escape, you know, like slaves, that someone can get money if they can find out that this person um, assisted that woman to get an abortion. Like a mother who drove her her daughter to an abortion clinic um, could get, uh, you know, someone could sue the mother and get ten thousand dollars. Uh, or the Uber driver could be sued, or whomever. I mean, this is just going back so many years, and the Supreme Court is saying they're going back to 1868, um, you know, when you know the 14th Amendment, you know, when they say that they're following the laws that was in 1868. Well, you know, in 1868 you could get a bounty for finding an escape, you know, Escaped slaves. So, and they said, "Well, the people made the law." Then, well, the people that were making the law in 1868 were men, mainly white men. Okay, because women didn't even weren't even afforded the right to vote. Well, you know, you know, you know, when you talk
0: when you talk about going back to 1868, let's go back to 1776, which is so interesting. When when Benjamin Franklin wrote his math book. And, you know, I just found this out that he wrote in his math book and he got a certain information in Britain. And then on the fourth chapter, he, the, four, the last chapter on his book, he actually gave instruction how women could have abortions. And mm-hmm. and also women in the in the Puritan uh, sect, they were allowed to have abortions that they always put the woman first. If there were any kind of circumstances that they did not want that child, they could go to the midwife. And I was shocked when I found that.
3: And you know, well, the- at common law, a woman could get an abortion before what's called quickening before the fetus was moving in in the womb. So the idea that they would say, you know, well, it was you know, a crime at that time. Uh, it wasn't a crime in in many places. The majority decision is faulty for many reasons. But look, I li- again, i like to focus on the impact. What are we going to do to help these women in these states who are not going to be able to get an abortion legally? This is what we need to focus on. And this means it goes from being a legal issue to an actual political issue where we have to elect pro-choice uh, elected officials. And we have to get... Women, as well as men, who are pro-choice to run for office to defeat the, you know, fetal, I call them the fetal supremacy, uh, the fertilized egg supremacy uh, crowd that wants to make the choice for women's lives, even though they're not going to be the ones that have to live with that choice.
0: Well, it, it certainly is something that is, as women, we need to stand up for. And what's so interesting, when you talk to young women oftentimes they don't really understand exactly what it was like before all these things were legal. Of course. I mean, they, just, they, don't. they just don't.
3: Well, you know, one not the- They didn't live it, and it's not talked about in schools, but now they're going to find out from people like me what it was like. And it was dangerous. I always say, it, you know, it was our women's Vietnam where many women died or were injured by unsafe, illegal abortions. That's how bad it was.
0: Wow. Well, we're coming to the end of this segment. I mean, I'm just so, I I can't tell you how honored I am to be able to have this discussion with you and to get your voice out. You know, we go to 19 counties here in Northern California for people to hear you and understand exactly how important this fight is. Well, I read the article that you wrote. It was stunning to me. But at the end, when you said, from the bottom of my heart and my womb, I urge you to join me in fighting for justice for women. I am no longer... A good girl. I want you to explain what you mean by no longer a good girl. I am now a fearless womb warrior. Well,
3: well. Uh, when I was in, uh, you know, public school in junior high and high school, we were supposed to be good girls. And good girls didn't talk about private areas of their body. Uh, you know, that basically, that was not something that we were to discuss. Um, <laughs> Well, now I will. I'm no longer a good girl. I'm not, gonna, I'm not a lady. I'm a woman. Uh, and I'm not going to be polite about this because women are going to be losing their lives. So I say to all your listeners, get out in the streets and protest. Go to the web pages, uh, Bans Off Our Bodies. Support Planned Parenthood. Give your money and your time to elected officials who will support you. There is something that everyone can do, women and men. Everyone must do it, because these are dangerous, cruel, barbaric times. And the only way we're going to win change, because nobody's going to give it to us, is if we fight to win it. And that's how change happens. So thank you. It's been an honor to be with you, Elaine, and everyone. Keep up the fight.
1: Well,
0: Gloria, I re- thank you so much. And, you know, anything that you, any support you need or any announcements you may need to have or any involvement that you want people to know about, please do not hesitate to let me know.
3: Thank you very much. All right.
0: Have a good day. Thank you, my love. Bye-bye. Sure. Bye, Elaine. Oh, my God. I am just so honored to have just done this interview. You know, I'm going to have to take a break. And, you know, just exactly what, Gloria already said, we must stand up and not let anybody turn us around. So we're going to play a song now. Ain't going to let nobody turn me around. And then when we come back, you know, I'm going to have a few other, uh, a little bit of information to share with you. And I really, really appreciate so much the work and effort that women across the United States are making to help to overcome and challenge this horrific decision. So let's go ahead, Ken. Let's play. No one's going to turn me around, and then when we come back, I'm going to read a poem or two and just a few opinions here and there. Go ahead. Let anybody turn me around. I'll tell you something. I think that when I was thinking about the interview that we just had, the most the most important thing that I can think of, and I love this statement, from the bottom of my heart and my womb, I urge you to join me in fighting for justice for women. I am no longer a good girl. I like that. I'm no longer a good girl either. I am a fearless wom warrior. And, you know, it's very interesting when what, you, what we were talking about is being a good girl. You know, we've all been good girls at one time. But, you know, if the time has come now, you know, just like John Lewis said, it's a time to make some good trouble and to stand up for our rights, for our rights to choose to our own body, for our right to choose whether we're going to have a child or not. I mean, it's very, very important. It really is. And, and the song, Ain't Nobody Gonna Turn Me Around, hey, that's it. Nobody's going to turn us around. Anyway, this is Elaine B. Holtz. You're listening to Women's Spaces. And I just uh, just finished an interview with uh, Gloria Allred, and just to remind folks, if you're just turning in now, you can go to www.women'spaces. Probably around Wednesday, we will have the uh, interview online. Tell your friends this is a very, very important interview. And I want to give you some key points here. You know, we did have a discussion. Just some key points about about abortion and some of the things that have happened over the last decades, especially since 1973. Well, the Supreme Court, this was in 1973 on a 5-4 decision, no, excuse me, in 2022, in a 5-4 decision overturned Roe v. Wade, the landmark ruling that established the, con- the constitutional. In other words, they took away our constitutional right, which was proven to be a constitutional right, a right to privacy, a right to dominion over our own bodies. The next thing, Roe, since 1973, you know, there's young women out there who that were born in 1973, all their lives, they have known the right to, the, to have the freedom over their own body, has permitted abortions during the first two trimesters of pregnancy in the United States. Even in Roe versus Wade, you cannot have an abortion after the second trimester. You know, you're not killing a baby. Next uh, key point: Almost half the states are expected to outlaw or severely restrict abortion as a result of the Supreme Court's decision on a Mississippi case known as Dobbs versus Jackson's Women's Health Organization. And it's just it's just a sad situation here. And then the last key point is Justice Samuel Alito wrote the majority opinion, joined by four other conservatives justices. The three liberal justices opposed the decision. Chief Justice John Roberts voted with the majority to uphold the Mississippi abortion restriction but did not approve of tossing out Roe altogether. That I'm not I'm not quite clear on. I really am not. Well, you know, I'm going to read a little poem now because I think this is very important. You know, one of the things that I'm asking my women's listeners and all my listeners is to stand up, to, to, really, to really stand up and, and to speak out and to not be afraid. So much is at stake. Okay, so this is called Journey With Me. Are you ready, folks? Journey With Me by Elaine B. Holtz. By the way, the B stands for be the best I can. I'm a beautiful child of the universe and to be here now. You know, it actually, my middle name is Beverly, but I just thought I would throw that in. Journey with me. Don't expect. Be surprised. Live life one breath at a time. Slow down. Be unafraid. No matter what you have or who you are, we will all face death. Prepare. Laugh and cry. Eat and sleep. Dance fast. Dance slowly. Dance like you did know. Dance like you don't know. But dance. Be in the moment. Be in the moment. Stop sometimes. Rest and trust. Trust yourself. Trust others. Know yourself. Know others. Be yourself. Let others be themselves. These are simple truths. Love. Love the food you eat. Love the water you drink. Take time to love and appreciate your kitchen sink. Love simple pleasures each and every day. Notice the beauty of the flowers as you pass along the way. Love laughter. Love rain. Learn to love and bless the plain. With wise why, excuse me, with eyes wide open, seeing and disbelieving, yet believing it will all come to pass. Learn to need, learn to give, learn to receive. We are all of our mother Earth. We are all from the one. Well, that's a little bit to think about. It really is. You know, we are all the one. We're all in this together, and as women we create life. We bring forth life. We have a right to make that decision. It takes an awful lot to raise a child. I'm watching it with my great-grandchildren. God bless my beautiful granddaughter, Amber. I mean, breastfeeding all the way up to three years, you know, on demand all the time. It's not an easy chore, and if a woman is not ready to make that commitment, she should have the right to make that choice, truly. Well, this is Elaine B. Holtz. You've been listening to Women's Spaces. I want to thank you so much for listening. I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. to the bothering my heart for this wonderful interview I had with Gloria Alred, who is attorney and who's been working with women's rights for decades and also she is a, a founding partner of Alred, Moco, and Goldberg. Her firm handles more women's rights cases than any other law firm, and she is also the founder of the Women's Equal Rights Legal Defense and Education Fund, and also was honored as Woman of the Year, and this year was, was honored by the Lawyers Guild as Best Lawyer of the Year. A reminder Tell all your friends that Women's Spaces will be aired again tonight at 11 p.m. on Monday evenings. I'm so excited. I get to listen to my own program. Remember, wear masks where it's important. You know, wash your hands. You know, you still have to keep practicing this. You know, they're saying that somehow the little disease is, is you know, kind of waking up again. So we really have to be careful. Remember, our ch- I say this all the time. Remember, our children are the future. You know, everybody in the Supreme Court was once a child. Everybody who was serving on the legislation was once a child. It is very important to remember our child, children are the future, and we must give them every opportunity that we can to be good people, to be solid people. You know, there are so many things in this world that need to be corrected, And the most important thing is is that we all have to be raised to the point where we're able to speak out, we're able to say enough is enough, and stand up for what we believe is right. And please, above all, if you're listening to a community radio station today, we support that station. Community radio brings a lot of truth to the public, and it's very important that we support it. Well, anyway, this is Elaine B. Holtz, and you've been listening to Women's Spaces. And from the bottom of my heart, I want to thank you for listening. And also, please become a fan on Facebook. And also, if you want to listen to any of the archive shows, go to www.womenspaces.com. The
1: woman in your life is you. The
3: previous Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, July eleventh, 2022.